Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome in episode 188, and this episode is brought to you by Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs. Vibes Earplugs are designed, they're really high quality, they're designed especially for musicians, they're comfortable, they're discreet, and instead of blocking and muffling the sound like cotton balls or foam earplugs would do, they just reduce the volume down to a safer level, they actually reduce it by 22 decibels, um, but yet you can still hear a full range of frequencies. I use these often when I'm practicing. I also take them to every gig in case I need to wear earplugs at the gig. Um, they come in a nice, small, discreet little pocket-sized carrying case, so I can just toss them in my front pocket, and they're always there. They also come with three three interchangeable ear tips, which are made of a soft silicone, so you can kind of customize the fit to match your ear. Um, so yeah, so if you want to order a pair, here's the deal. Visit discovervibes.com that is discover d-i-s-c-o-v-e-r-v-i-b-e-s.com discovervibes.com use the promo code modern15 that is m-o-d-e-r-n-15 that will get you 15% off your purchase plus free shipping if you're in the United States of America again that's discovervibes.com promo code code especially for podcast listeners is modern15 That'll get you 15% off plus free shipping in the U.S. Yeah, so check it out. If you don't have any high-quality earplugs, now's the time. Take advantage of this discount. Um, now let's talk about our intro beat. This is Dave Epstein. So David is adapting a Liberian welcome dance called the Fanga Rhythm that he learned out of a book called Conga Joy. Um, so he's playing the groove, and then he overdubs some toms, then adds some bells, and then some adds some shakers. And then he says he's playing what he remembered of the melody from the traditional chant. Um, and so he played that on a MIDI keyboard, added a bass line, and here's what we got. So he's playing a Ludwig club date kit from 2018 with a 12, 14, 20 setup. Ludwig 5x14 Black Beauty, some 17, or uh, 17, 1970 Zildjian 15-inch New Beats, uh, Zildjian K-Custom Dark Crashes. He has the big fat snare drum quesadillas on the snare and toms. He's got a bling ring on the hi-hats. He's using an LP red and blue jam blocks. Yeah, let's check it out. So this is David Epstein's beat. Bro, I'm spent. I think I mislabeled it. Is this episode 188? Does anyone I don't know? know. <laughs> Bro, I'm point. just I'm I'm hanging on by a CrossFit thread right now. <laughs> I forgot how taxing these camps are, uh, and this is one of those years, or this is one of those camps, I, I should say, where uh, the first camp is always slightly—I wouldn't say difficult, but it's definitely intense because it's my first time testing out this new material. Every year, I write new material for right. a camp. And so there's that, but then there's also the fact that this is like one of those things where I always say, like, you know, we won the camp lottery where everyone here in attendance is just such an amazing person. So I'm putting so much emotionally into each camper and their growth. And and even the way the camp is laid out, it's kind of laid out for daily achievements. So there's the every Mm. single day. It's like, oh, my God. Like we had this guy, Jeremy here, who I'm just calling, uh, Jeremy 182 because he just grew up loving Blink and you can just tell in his style he's a firefighter he's got a he's got a real job he doesn't need to do this but you can tell in his style he loved himself some Travis yeah, that's and great. and that's his thing and, and when he plays he has a very uh, late 90s early 2000s sound where he learned everything by ear plays everything but it, it has that Chad Sexton Adrian Young 
Travis Barker vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of our cor- or one of our classes, our daily classes, is the feel of the day. So I put on a drumless track. Everyone has to get out on the kit, and they're not trying to learn the song. They're trying to create the feel that would go with that song. So okay. one of them was country, and it was like a country ballad. And Jeremy182 gets out there, and we just lost our minds. He's the greatest country session drummer alive. <laughs> he had no idea. We ha- He'd never even listened to this kind of music. And all of us were like, is this weird or is this really good? And he kind of, I pressed the space bar, and he looked into the control room like, am I nailing this? And we were like, dude, you need to stop being a firefighter and and move to Nashville. You are a country session drummer. So things like that, where a camper has a win for the day, that stuff just, I mean, you, that's such an emotional high. Cause I mean, to him, he was like, I've never even considered playing anything like this, but this opens so many possibilities. I was like, dude, you have a natural feel for that stuff. I mean, it literally sounded like Shannon Forrest. It was Everyone was freaking out. Um, cool. So it was really cool, man. And, and every one of the campers has had one of those moments. So it can be a little taxing. How are you doing? I don't know. I'm good. I'm fine. Happy Good Friday. <laughs> Bro, you're at the man cave. <laughs> yeah, I'm home today. We are closed, but uh, um, I'm still working. So here we are. I did, um, I'm reviving my Snare of the Week series. I kind of let it, let it go for about a month, and I've had a few requests. So I did, yesterday I did my Superphonics. I waited until... 24 episodes in to finally <laughs> feature the superphonic. Yeah, man. So that's fun. I mean, I'm just messing around. It's, it's nice to have a morning to just be in the studio just messing around. Um, like, I just put up a video this morning where, for whatever reason, I got inspired to play a certain thing and I did my Ableton Live convert to MIDI thing and it was like, oh, that's kind of magical. Sweet. I'm glad. Because oh, I've been in a really big funk, like creatively wanting to do nothing but lay on the couch kind of vibe. And this was like, hey, cool. That just happened. Life doesn't suck anymore. Let's go. (laughs) Isn't that weird? I mean, we all go through it, but it's such a weird thing that I I think the only thing that allows us to not, you know, go too far on the negative is that we all have gone through it so many times that now you can recognize the funk. Like, okay, it's where I'm at. And I just have to wait for something to, to change it. Sometimes it's just a loop in Ableton. Sometimes it's a blue sparkle 1960s Gretsch round badge kit. What? I don't know. Maybe progressive jazz sizes. So have you had a chance to really mess around with it? No, it, it showed up. Uh, I mean, we're playing it every day, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I can't change the heads because I'm waiting for Aquarian to make me their modern vintage or maybe it's American vintage, but they're larger hoops with single ply texture coated mm-hmm. heads. So I'm waiting on those. So, uh, yeah, somebody's like, what are those cool muffling devices? And I was like, oh, that's called gaff tape over the Remo logos. Because <laughs> I'm an Aquarian artist. And uh, he's like, oh, never mind. And then, uh, But Chris Brady gave me a thumbs up on the comment. I was like, yeah, sorry, I just have to do that. But uh, I did change out the batter bass drum head, and the standard Aquarian head fit with that one fine. I mean, the problem seems to be it's a, it's a two-sided problem with modern heads and vintage drums and you know much more than i do so let me know if i'm wrong but it seems like there's the problem the shell is slightly oversized but then the wrap it doesn't meet together it overlaps so you have to get the rim over the the double wrap so um so yeah so i've left the heads on there but so far uh we're in a little bit of trouble because i love it (laughs) like love it (laughs) And now, yeah. can you? Can, I can't describe it. Can you describe it? In, God, no. It's an intangible, my guitarist right? came in. It's totally intangible. My guitarist came in last night. So the band played for the campers last night, and as soon as I played it, my bandmates were losing their mind, but they didn't know why. Then they both played it. Both of my bandmates are, are decent drummers. Uh, my guitarist is a great drummer, and my bass player is a pretty good drummer too. They both sat down and played it, and they were speechless. They were like, "It's not that it's better. It just..." is but i don't know what it is and i was like i i know i it's it's a thing and i really think like i just have to assume these drums didn't sound like this in 1960 like this is how they sound 60 years old yeah Um, i don't know i mean i I guess so i mean that's probably why acoustic guitars and stuff are so much more valuable over time but it's probably why our 1920s ludwigs uh the you know nickel over brass (laughs) sound exactly like they probably did in 1920 because yeah. metal doesn't age the way wood ages. Yeah, it's know? pretty interesting. And yeah, I was hoping you'd have some adjectives, but I can't. I can't. Describe you know, it. I mean, the adjective is is vibe. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, how good are you at beeping things out in a podcast? I can do that. <laughs> okay, because because my band coined that drum set. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so that's my drum set's name. That's, uh, I don't even know. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> All right. I was mm. just having a discussion about um expletives in the magazine <laughs> okay well if you want to leave that in that's fine i didn't i didn't name it that that's what my band called it anyways moving on Ooh. uh so yeah the vibe the vibe is there oh i'm sweating uh <laughs> the vibe is there for sure it's out of control the bass drum though is the best recording bass drum i've ever mm-hmm. heard in my life like yep i'm shocked it sounds like someone sent me a sample of, oh, by the way, this is vintage bass drum, 14 by 20. That's <laughs> right. what It sounds like a sample every time. And I'm like, and yeah. I literally put a uh, sleeping <clears throat> pillow in it because I had one uh, here at the studio. And I was like, ah, I'll just throw this in there. And yeah. I left the uh, original uh, batter, I'm sorry, the original Rezo head on just because, dude, it's got like 60 yeah. years of yeah, gigs well, all yeah, over yeah, it. It looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, I just, but when I saw the original batter head, I was like, I'll go through that in two seconds. Mm. It was just, but so I left that on there. There's no hole. I didn't cut a hole in it, of course. And, uh, and then this is also my first time playing a 12 inch Tom or any rack Tom on a snare stand. Mm. Are Never you done that before. Are you into it? I love it. Oh, yeah. I love it. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to get it close enough to the middle of the bass drum like it'd be just way off to the left from mm-hmm. the drummer's perspective and I've got these Yamaha snare stands that they that come with their DTX kits so they're specifically made to hold a 12 inch pad oh perfect so they're perfect for this thing and they go just high enough and everything's great and it's a really lightweight stand so I would say it's the I can't tell if the drum itself is just a 60s 12 inch tom that they're just kind of choked um, yeah. or you know, I don't. I don't know if I want to go and uh, who's there's a company that makes those uh, feet for yeah, the little booty shakers. Yeah, yeah, they work. They definitely work. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I. The the thing is, I don't know if I want any more resonance. I love it. Yeah, like, it sounds good. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah, you get the resonance and you put more tape on it. And it's like, geez, just enjoy the deadness. So yeah, it sounds amazing. Actually, enough talking. Let's give it a listen. So the big question is, yeah. what's going to be your main kit now? Yeah, so I, there is a little bit of a double whammy thing happening where the kit sounds amazing, of course, but I've also never had a colored drum set in my studio. I've never had hmm. any color. It's always wood grain or maybe a, a black drum set, like flat black. I wasn't ready for how much it changed the vibe in here. I have yeah. a blue sparkle drum set, and the whole place just lit up. So I kind of don't want to lose that either, you know? Um I, so I do have a kit in the works with Gretsch right now. Not, I mean, like they're just making me a, a kit right now that I'd asked for a while back before I found this kit. So, um, yeah, but it's it's at the process area right now where I'm like, I could change the color. I could just uh. say blue sparkle, but <laughs> do I want two blue sparkle kit? I don't know. So, <laughs> you know, I, it's a problem for sure. I didn't, you and Carter and someone else, I think maybe Bryson Nelson, but the three of you guys all warned me, just so you know, you might actually like this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to like it, like it. Like, <laughs> I'm the guy with the new stuff. Like, oh, is that the iPhone 11? Got to get that. Uh, yeah. what's, what's that thing? That's new. Got to get that. This I thing mean, is out of control, though. I've said it before. My like, the, the kit I throw in my car for just gigs is is my f- favorite Ludwig kit. But 
it's I mean I I traded microphones for it so I'm like I'll just throw it in the car it always sounds great right. but I don't really care as much about it like a brand new pristine custom kit that I know I you know I paid thousands of dollars for right but at, at the same time if like I had to sell everything I would and I'd keep that one beater kit <laughs> you know? yeah man well I mean I I definitely when I bought this kit uh, this one just uh for you out there that maybe don't know about the different vintage places you can get stuff from. Uh, I, I talked to Bryson Nelson about this. He had nothing in stock uh, in those sizes that I was looking for at the time. And then, so I got this from Hawthorne drum company. I think they're somewhere around the Boston area. Pittsburgh, man. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're trying to start on, a fight. Do, do, do your homework, bro. <laughs> you know, to me, all of it is, over there yeah. i don't know where any of it is um <laughs> you so yeah Mississippi. So I, cool uh, <laughs> uh once we hit utah i'm out I, I don't know anything else but uh so yeah so uh i got it from hawthorne drum company and uh that was the first thing i asked was look i'm not a collector i don't want to collect i want to play these drums is this a playable drum set and he was like absolutely this is mm-hmm. a full-blown this could be your drum set for the rest of your life drum set it's in great condition uh, I mean, the only thing I'm dealing with right now so far is the spurs, uh, just because they're oh, little yeah. metal poles. So yeah. the really my only thing that I've had to do to it, uh, and I'll probably order some of those... Um, K-brakes or something? K-brakes for yeah. them. Um, but the only thing I've had to do so far is I just swapped out my bass drum pedal to an older DW5000 that had the Velcro on the bottom. Uh, so the bass drum pedal becomes the anchor. Because yep. it wasn't slipping a ton, but we're in camp. If the campers get a little aggressive, it was kind of moving forward. So other than that, it's been absolutely amazing. And it's on that new Oralex mat that we talked yes, about. Yes, you got it. So is it, well, you swapped kits too. Did you check it with your... your I uh, did. Okay. Yeah, so I checked it uh, and it was crazy how much it changed the resonance of the tom, especially the 12-inch tom, when I was hitting my snare. Mm-hmm. Because I would tune my snare away from my kit, and it was this dry, beautiful thing, and I'd put it on the kit, and it had all this overtone, but I could tell it wasn't snare overtone. I put my hand on the rack tom to cover the head, and the overtone was gone. So the snare was activating the whole kit, and then the kick would kind of activate the floor tom. And for those of you that maybe aren't caught up to the latest episodes of the podcast, Mike's theory on that was, you're pretty much playing on a cajon, because my stage is a hollow wooden box, really. Uh, with support beams, obviously, but it's it's still a hollow, hollow wooden box, and so uh, so he recommended the Oralex drum rug. It has its own name, I'm sure, but it's, yeah, I don't know what they call it. I think they just call it drum mat, really. It yeah, is, the Oralex drum mat. Yeah, and really, really affordable compared to most drum rugs. It's only three hundred dollars. Dude, try to explain that one to the wife. That went over well because I'm not endorsed by Oralex. That was straight. Call up Sweetwater, place the order, and just cross your fingers that the fight isn't too big. So it's like, wait, for what? And I'm like, yes, for, well, babe, you know, my 12-inch Tom is resonating when I hit my snare. So anyways, uh, I got it, and it, it really helps with that. But here's the side benefit. It helped also with my camera shake, with my cameras that were on the stage. It's almost like oh, the no drum kidding. mat is absorbing the vibrations and not letting it spread past the drum mat to the rest of the stage. Really cool. Yeah, it's really heavy. It's a really heavy rug. It's not something that I would ever take to gigs. No, no, for no. Any but I, I was not prepared for how thin it would be for how heavy it was. Mm-hmm. It's so thin. Yeah, I don't know what it's made um, of, but that thing is that's a it's a brick. <laughs> so yeah, so if, if any of you guys are having uh, something where and and they do advertise it as it would help with people in apartments that are playing electric kits as well. Um, it it wouldn't be <clears throat> the savior and change everything, but if you just need to. Uh, calm the vibrations going down a little bit. At least check it out. Do do a little research on it. They have some great videos on it on Sweetwater where the actual rep form from Oralex is talking about it. So check that stuff out on YouTube. All right. You ready to get in? Do you have anything coming up, by the way, for people to go check out? No. I mean, yeah, cool. I've got some right clinics on. to Moving announce. on. <laughs> we could talk about some clinics later, like coming up. Well, no. Day of Percussion in uh, Maryland, Delaware is coming up. When is that? That is May 4th. So in a couple of weeks, I'm there. It's an all-day event. It's at Linganore High School in Frederick County, Maryland. Um, I actually went to that school my senior year for half a day so I could practice my college audition material. In my Damn, original, 
Yeah, my original uh, percussion teacher is still the band director there. So that's May 4th. I'm the last clinic at 3, but it starts at 10 a.m. So if you're in that area, the Frederick, Baltimore, D.C., uh, you know, southeast uh, Pennsylvania area, I'll be there May 4th. I don't know what the admission is. Um, if I get more info, I'll send it over. I think it's free, but it might not be. I say just whoever's taking it, you know, like the tickets at the door, just walk up, stare them straight in the eyes and go, podcast. <laughs> and then let, and just see what happens. Maybe they're like, oh, I didn't, uh, yeah, come on in. I, it's free now. We didn't know about the secret word. Uh, okay, so let's get into some warm-up talk. I think warming up is something that all of us need to explore more because it's so... So individual. I don't think there's a universal way to warm up because it depends on how cooled off you are. You and I get to play drums multiple hours every single day of our lives. Our warm up is going to be very different than somebody that only gets to play on the weekends and should be different than somebody that only gets to play on the weekends. So Brandon Green wrote an amazing article called Warm Ups and Mobility Guidance in the health and science section of this issue of Modern Drummer. So warming up. Let's get into it. So this this is I think this is the last of the series where he's applying all of the stuff he's talked about to the drum set, actually moving your limbs around the drum set. So we could focus on that rather than what our pad, you know our pad routine would be. And it's I don't even think of it as warm ups. It's it's just getting comfortable and, and getting your body adjusted to the motions around the kit. I've never actually practiced drum set warm ups, but I practiced a ton of mobility exercises. Um, always go back to the I think it was the second Steve Smith uh, video back in the like late 80s whenever that came out um, he had a whole section on eh, my dogs are barking you hear that awesome. <laughs> absolutely awesome <laughs> the mailman must be here <laughs> sweet how many sessions have been ruined by those jerks <laughs> <laughs> anyway I think he, he I can't remember what he calls it but he 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 demonstrates like playing triplets all the way around the kit, going in awkward, you know, right to left motions and things. Right. And that's kind of what Brandon's getting at, where um, the first thing that, that I kind of caught my attention was, um, so you just play like pick a rudiment. So let's say whatever, doubles, and then pick a subdivision. So you're at your kit, you start on the snare, and then once you kind of feel relaxed and 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 loose move to a different drum and just and instead of paying attention to the drumming pay attention to what your muscles are doing like what's tight what's loose do you need are you leaning are you, you know what's happening and just kind yeah. of readjust to get comfortable and try to maintain the same dynamics so he's he's focusing on practicing this stuff strictly from what is your body doing rather than what what's the drumming involved uh, but the kicker is you start to focus on the sound you're making. So you try to make the doubles as smooth on the snare as they are on the rack tom. And then what happens is your body will then change to make the sound match. Okay. So there's all this kind of like back and forth with you. You're consciously aware of what your body's doing. Then you forget about it and focus on the sound. And then your body's going to do what it needs to do to even everything out, which is interesting. And I had a, I gave a clinic at, uh, UArts the other day. Um, and my, you know, my my mentor there, he was there watching and supporting, Mark DiGiani. And we had lunch afterwards, and and he he pointed out one thing because I did a lot of you know demonstrating my warm up routine on a practice pad. Okay. And he pointed out something. He's like, you know, your hands are really even. Your dynamics, the sound you're producing is very even, but your left stick is consistently about an inch and a half lower than your right stick. Oh. I had no idea because I was focused on the sound of it. Yeah. So you must be. Putting more physical effort a tiny bit into to the, the left. left to, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which I, you know, we were talking about for a minute. I'm like, that makes sense because I spent a lot of time trying to get maximum sound out of my left hand from a low height with backbeats and stuff. So I think just my muscles, if I, you know, if I match the stick height, my left hand would probably be a lot louder because I'm just used to stroking the drum at a faster rate, sure. faster velocity. It was interesting. So now I'm going to have to start practicing in front of a mirror again and figure out what's going on and do I need Man. to change it is the big question. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. And and the mirror is definitely the secret weapon for that kind of stuff and just seeing what you're doing. Uh, but I think, <clears throat> you know, one thing that 
he gets at in this article too is talking about you know should you be warming up on your pad or your drum set and his answer is yes you should both yeah, yeah exactly um, and I, and I think that warming up just is there's two types of warm-ups for me there and he talks about that with what you mentioned the sound and everything but i'm trying to warm up my body for sure i'm trying to reacquaint myself with this specific kit because i have a kit at home and it's a bop kit it's not set up at the exact same levels as this i have kits in my practice room i practice a lot on my pad Uh, And then I get here and I have this drum set. So I'm reacquainting myself with the exact angles and the exact heights. But I'm also warming up my brain. Mm -hmm. You know, there are times where I sing something and then my hands don't do it. Yeah, that happened to me yesterday. I was trying to play along to a loop and I'm like, my body is just slow. Like, what the hell's going on? (laughs) Yeah, that's really common. And I think... The, probably the most important thing that I would say, especially for the drummers that don't get a chance to play multiple hours a day, is please don't skip warming up. And it doesn't mean that it has to be this very clinical thing with stretching and very specific exercises. It's just finding a couple patterns, just like you did with the Steve Smith video. And I'm sure a lot of people did with Thomas Lang's first DVD, mm-hmm. just finding these motion pathways around the drum set. Um, actually, I, is that does Steve Smith have a book called Pathways to Motion? Yeah, I think that was his new. There we go, his new one. Yeah, <laughs> that was me thinking that I was like, I just crushed a new phrase. <laughs> Never mind, borrow that. Uh, I'm going to use a musical term. I sampled that from yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Smith, but yeah. So uh, it's just finding those pathways that are unique, especially to your kit. Uh, Mark Juliana has a great uh, chunk in his book about mm-hmm. this exact same thing. And it's finding those, getting acquainted with the drum set, so that you are even if you're playing whether it's fast or slow, so you're hitting the drums in the proper place. I mean, just hitting a 14-inch floor tom, to me, is not what I'm going for. I don't want yeah. 14 inches of area that I can hit. I want the sweet spot, yeah. even when I'm flying chops around the place. So uh, I think that warming up is extremely important. You know, something yeah, but, else that I think is yeah. not discussed enough is where you place stuff. Not only is it important for comfort, but it's also important for accuracy of timing, like... If your right side crash is all the way out in right field, it's going to take a lot longer for you to get from that crash back to Absolutely. the hi-hat. So you have to be aware that you're going to slow down just physically because it takes that much yep. more time to get back. So that's another part of, especially when I'm playing like house kits and random clubs, the first thing I do is just kind of air drum around like where the hell is everything? Because I'm, yeah. I'm not changing anything. I'm just sitting down and playing. Right. It's like, okay, where is it? And then what's... You know, is that, is that going to be weird for me to go? I always there had there? A, uh, an adjustment period when back in the day when we would do an album and then we would get ready to tour on it. I was like, look, man, I'm I, I just spent five months being session drummer guy. Very, very l- small range of motion. I wasn't showing off for anybody. Now you want me to go out on this, you know, uh, tour where we're playing to 10,000 people a night, I'm going to be, my arms are going to be swinging all over the place. My timing is going to be terrible because mm, right. it's just a whole different thing. So I, I totally agree with that. The other thing I think that he mentions in here that I think is truly important is pick an exercise, something simple that you can do, do that around the kit and drastically vary the dynamics. Get used yeah. to playing whisper quiet around the kit, get used to really bringing the volume up. Those are important things too. I try really hard not to be a drummer that just has a volume knob of loud and quiet, but that every note has its own individual option for dynamics. Yeah. And it's Uh, easy to forget when you're practicing, there's that comfort dynamic, but that's almost never the dynamic that you actually perform (laughs) at. (laughs) Almost never. Yeah. That's kind of what we're going through with the campers is uh, right now we were playing yesterday and I said, okay, 16th notes to the click. We're playing 70 BPM, no accents. I want you to play as whisper quiet as possible. And I played, I matched their dynamics and I was on a pad. And then I moved my hands to the rack tom and they were shocked at how loud it was Hmm. without changing the dynamics. I was like, you have to, you have to assume your pad is a marching drum. Like, I know you think you're just kind of padding out a little bit. That would be shockingly loud for (laughs) it. If you hit anything that made noise, um, I always think so, that when I see Todd Zuckerman warming up on his pad, I'm like, man, he is wailing that practice. Yeah. Pad. <laughs> but then he goes out, but he's playing with sticks, so he's yeah, got to I mean, bring it's the heat. You know, but man, if he had a snare drum, everyone would be 
be dead. Oh, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, and that's something that I'm always trying to think about. If I'm on something that doesn't make noise, um, I personally, I think we've talked about this a little bit, and this is getting a little off topic, but it does relate to dynamics. I play my electric kit at home, I'd say 98% of the time without turning the power on because I like the actual tactile feel and sound of hitting something. Mm. I can tell how, how, to, how loud I'm hitting it when I don't have headphones on and I just play it as a practice pad kit. When I put the phones on and then I start moving those sliders around to be like, well, I don't need to hit the bass softer. I'll just bring the volume down. <laughs> but I'll keep hitting it the way I always hit it. Kind of messes with my internal dynamics. So I think warming up around the kit on your dynamics, warming up your subdivisions, warming up your your creative side of your brain. I mean, I definitely part of my warm up is creating some sort of exercise that allows me to be creative. It could be as simple as trading one bar fills with myself, or it could be as complicated as improvising over an odd time signature ostinato with my feet. It doesn't matter. I'm just trying to create in the moment, warm up my mind, warm up my body, and then I'm ready to go. Man, that reminds so, me. I got my first yeah. eight inch Tom the other day. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? You got a, you got a, <laughs> yeah, I got an eight and never, you were talking about setting up an ostinato. That's, that's what I'm going to use it for is, is, you know, what kind of ostinato kind of vibe can I create with this eight? <laughs> with your left hand? I don't know. Maybe the right. I'm not sure. I'm just going to, it's never been done with the right. No one can do eight inch Tom with the right. You have to, <laughs> you're not Klaus Hessler. I mean, the one yeah. thing I'm not going to do is set it up like I'm playing Carter Beaufort. Like it's just, I'm not going to do that. So I've got an eight, a 10, Oh, so you might, 12. you might put it on the right side of your kit. Yeah. And use it more as like a ride option. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I have no that. idea, but I've got it and it's, I can't wait to mess. What around. is it? Uh, Bucks County made a birch one to go with the birch kit that I have. Love it. Yeah, Love so it. it's a straight-up fusion setup. I mean, it was, I told him I wanted something that was sort of recording custom Dave Weckl kind of vibe, so it's a birch kit with an 8, 10, 12, 15. <laughs> you, just, you just can't. You can't just open the <laughs> Sears and Robux catalog and order a damn drum set. <laughs> Got to be weird. See All you right, everybody. Let, uh, check out Brandon Green's article, Warm-Ups and Mobility Guidance in the current issue of Modern Drummer. It is time to talk about our feature drummer, Mr. Terrence Higgins. This guy uh, is—he's been around, man. This—I mean, I've—I've I've heard his name for so long, and it was yep. always stuff. It wasn't, "Hey, drummers, let me show you how amazing I am." This was like, "Okay, that's the working drummer. He's always on a different gig." Um, but the span of gigs that this guy has had is out of control. <clears throat> yeah, I and mean, I remember Dirty Dozen Brass Band being the exactly. first thing, so I immediately thought, "Okay, he's." He's a New Orleans guy. That's what he does. He does New Orleans funk. And, and he'll just stay there. And he'll, he'll live there. That's great. Yeah. He's one of the few people that really can play that style with 100% authenticity. Like, great. Right. Let's do that. But yeah, he's gone on to play with John Schofield, Warren Hayes, uh, his own band Swamp Grease. He's been touring with John Medeski's band, Ivan Neville, and that makes sense. Don Was. Um, but most recently, and for quite a while, Andy DeFranco. That so was the one that blew me away. And when I watched the stuff, that's when I kind of just had a newfound respect for Terrence, which was it doesn't sound like a New Orleans guy bringing his thing to Annie's band. Yeah. He's it, playing it, the part. Yeah. Yeah. Playing the part and playing it really well with conviction, not looking bored while doing it. Like yep. he's in it 100%. And, you know, I mean, that's a credit to him to be able to play whatever needs to be played. But when you listen to him play drum set by himself, it's not like he's trying to be a reincarnation of Harlan Riley or bring back this thing. It's like he plays drums. It just sounds like drums. Yeah. He just but has then that, when you put him swing. in a musical context, yeah. he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. I saw him, um, I think he gave a pace at clinic probably about 10 years ago. And if, to me, it felt like he was the modern version of, of what the New Orleans guys were doing. Like, 
he had all the history, but he also you could tell he was a big fan of modern hip hop and stuff. But right. at the same time, he could play those those New Orleans beats as good as anyone I've ever heard. And it was one of my favorite clinics on New Orleans drumming because it, it was clear that like he did not get this stuff out of a book. <laughs> you know, like he's lived and experienced this stuff. Um, but I didn't know that. I'm reading glancing through the article that Ani actually moved to New Orleans. So that's how he, oh, okay. he met her. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, he's he's a beast. He's one of my favorites. Do we have any audio that we can play of him? Yeah, let's drop in something. <laughs> Which means no, we don't. Sorry about that. My bad. <laughs> So, yeah, that audio was um, just a little bit of stuff that Pearl had posted on their YouTube page featuring the new Session Studio Select kit. I guess it's not new. It was a few years ago it came out. But he did a nice you know, promo video for that. And that's the kit he's using on tour with Ani DeFranco. But with John Modeski, he's using a good old Pearl Vision Series kit. Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is so awesome. Which makes just, sense. Just so you guys know, I mean, this dude is legendary. There's nothing he couldn't have. So the fact that he is <laughs> playing that is awesome. I also really dig, did you see the Finnish uh, name? Which one? The Nicotine White? <laughs> nicotine <Yeah>. White. <laughs> That's so cool. Look, we're not going to sugarcoat this at all. This is what happens to White Marine Pearl when you take it into 600 smoky clubs in 1975 through 1982. It's nicotine white marine finish. Oh, man. So, I, don't, so awesome. I mean, I, I don't think you can blame nicotine on that, but I, I get the point. <laughs> it, it's, it's just uh, it's funny. It's Because I don't know how many other finishes uh, show the effects of smoky clubs as much as White Marine Pearl does. Yeah. And that's what makes White Marine Pearl so tough. If you get one that you toured with even five years later you can't order an eight inch tom because it will be shockingly white compared to your drum set (laughs) right it's crazy uh so uh that's that's really cool though so yeah so i mean even with with ani defranco pretty decent sized kit he's got a a six-piece kit uh multiple symbols uh he's a sabian artist who's got the 16 inch artisan elite hi-hats 22 inch remastered thin crash 24 inch artisan elite ride out of boy yeah 18 inch aax arrow crash and then a 20 inch paragon diamondback china crash yeah the neil peart china with with tambourine jingles in it so you can tell he's going for you know a palette of of different it makes sense yeah. so you're with singer songwriter kind of more you know each song has to have a vibe he's also has the secondary snare drum in the floor tom position which is becoming more and more popular all right, everybody, so check out more of Terrence Higgins. You can find him all over YouTube. And check out the stuff he's doing with Annie DeFranco. Really cool stuff, and it, it'll give you a completely different perspective on somebody that, like Mike said, does, does the New Orleans thing so well. Yeah, so like I said in the intro, this episode is brought to you by Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs. So make sure you go to discovervibes.com, enter the promo code MODERN15. You'll get 15% off your order plus free shipping for some really nice, high-quality high quality earplugs that will last the rest of your life. And it's only about 20 bucks if you, if you take advantage of this promo code. So again, that's discovervibes.com. Use the promo code MODERN15. That'll get you 15% off plus free shipping if, if you're in the U.S. So for about 20 bucks, you're going to get yourself a pair of earplugs that'll last the rest of your life. All right, let's get into the rest of the show. All right, so this is a gear review section, but it's actually more about us examining what a different overhead mic placement does to your drum sound. I've been doing a full-on audit of my studio trying to figure out what are the best overheads, what's, you know, what's the best microphones for my setup and... and the overheads was particularly tricky because I had to go through all the possible placements of the different mics that I have and which ones sound the best. And what I determined is best is impossible to determine. They're just different. So I had to figure out what works most appropriately for what I'm doing, I guess. So we've got a pair of Aston Origin, which is a large diaphragm condenser, not super expensive, just a couple hundred dollar microphone, uh, just cardioid single pattern um we're doing space pair 
recorder man, X, Y, and ORTF position. And they are, all of them are placed 46 and a half inches from the snare drum. So I tried to make everything as consistent as possible, except for where the mics are actually placed. So you want to start out and just dig in? Yeah. So I figured we'd listen to one, kind of make an assessment, listen to the next one, make an assessment, hopefully have some sort of conclusion by the end of it. That sounds good to me. So the first one was spaced pair. I had them just evenly spaced left to right over the kit. So, once again, um, remind me: are there? There's no other mics. There's a bass drum mic that's four or four okay. and a quarter inches in front of the bass drum. That's Got it. it. Two mics. Got it. Um, yeah, that sounds super even. I mean, I'm just. It's it's just a good reminder of if you, whatever you're doing, you can get a decent, a very decent sound with a few mics. Yeah, um, yeah. Totally. Everything sounded even to me. Um, I thought because of the height of the mics. That maybe it would be. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not taking your full room into consideration, but I thought it might be a little uh, big sounding, a little boomy, but it actually was really tight. Everything sounded good. Yeah, I mean, the big thing I noticed is just the spread. The symbols were very far left and right. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. If you mean in stereo? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. So the hi hat was like way over to the right, and the right symbol was way over to the left. Now. Maybe for session work, that's ideal. I think for my purposes, demoing gear, it felt a little like disconnected. Okay. But I, if I had to use this, I totally would, and it'd be cool. So the awesome. next one is Recorder Man, which why it's called that is there's an engineer whose nickname is Recorder Man. He came up with this position. So the one mic is directly above the snare, 46 and a half inches, and then the second mic is over my right shoulder, aimed at the snare 46 and a half inches away oh okay so it's still evenly spaced it's yep. just different positioning okay yep. so one mic behind you one mic right over the top yep If it was a shootout for me, that wins between over those two. the first one. Yeah. yeah, mainly because I feel like the drums are now super present, mm-hmm. but just present even enough to the cymbals. Yep, I agree, and I think it feels more like you're actually sitting at the kit, um, but you're not getting any stereo separation really. There's some, but not a lot. So that again, if I was doing a session for someone and they're going to put 800 guitars on it and 3,000 synthesizers and stuff, this might not have enough spread. Seems like a lot of tracks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right now you're at 3,800 tracks and you haven't even started vocals yet. Damn. I'm sure you it's do been big done. boy sessions. <laughs> <laughs> but I think just okay. for capturing the kit as a, as a kind of like you're standing behind the drummer vibe, this this does it really well. Nice. Uh, there is that a warning great. where where if the over-the-shoulder mic is, is level with the ride cymbal, you'll get some sort of like wishy-washy phasing because the cymbal is yeah. like blowing in front of the, the, the mic. But I keep my ride pretty low by comparison. Um, so the I next, really like that. That sounded great. The next one is the classic uh, XY. So the, the capsules are as close as I could get them. 90 degrees. One's aimed at the right side of the kit. One's aimed at the left side of the kit. Directly over the center of the drum set.
Okay, so if I knew that you were going to then mic the entire kit, I love that setup. But mm. if that was the only setup, I still like the recorder man better because I felt like I heard the whole drum set more present. Um, with this, this just sounds like that thing that I would like to mix on top of a snare mic, a, a rack mic, and a floor mic. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the, the snare kind of gets lost. And it makes sense because the mics are actually aimed away from the snare. Yeah, the snare was the one thing that sounded kind of distant. Tom sound good, I mean, but the cymbals sound amazing. Yeah, that's a good. I think that's a good option. Um, large diaphragm condensers is not the best because it's really hard to get the mics really close. Small condensers, it's good. It's also good if you know if you're a really hard snare player, like you really crush the snare. It kind of gets it out of the the dominant center of the of the mix. But I've been using XY for years, and that's actually my least favorite after doing this test. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow. All right, so Oof, let's go. Thought we were about to fight there for a second. The okay. Final cool. one is ORTF, which is over the center of the kit, but the mics are now, uh, it's like six and a third inches apart, something like that. 17 centimeters, I think it is, whatever that translates to. And they are 110 degrees angled out. So it's trying to mimic the ears on a human head. Okay. So if you're if you're floating above the kit, looking straight down, that's kind of the the setup. So this is ORTF. crazy how the <clears throat> excuse me the positioning of the overheads can change the perception of the bass drum mic like how much low end i'm feeling mm. based off of just and but i'm assuming you didn't raise the level of the kick or anything no, uh, i just matched. i could feel like a decent amount of low end in the drums on that one drum mm -hmm. sounded present i could hear everything uh i still think if you are only going to use three mic setup i still think the recorder man is my favorite out of them if that was all it was going to be uh but this one this one's interesting i've never tried this before it's i think it's going to be what i do from here on out because it offers okay. both options if it if i just do a three mic setup it kind of captures the kit everything is there but the stereo separation is nice like the hi-hats are over where they need to be the right symbols everywhere yeah. they, but it's not like the space pair is just too separated the xy is just too blurry yeah. um so I'm going with ORTF for most uh, situations now. Yeah, I mean, the kit sounded just really even with that. And it almost, I mean, especially if you're doing product reviews, you don't want to have anything that has too much personality because the whole point is for it to be almost as honest as possible. Right. So that people can judge the character. And I, I felt that, that was like a super honest setup for sure. Yeah, I like the recorder, man, but I don't want the microphone to be in camera view all the time. That's the big thing. I just so that's know. that's something that's a new problem for you know people to deal with is I had a ton of setups that I would have loved to do and people are like why don't you just do that and I'm like well because I have five cameras in here those stands are blocking this camera they're annoying to this shot so finding a balance where it's like this isn't an audio recording studio this is a video recording studio mm -hmm. that captures audio and I have to think about that stuff as well uh, but no I think this looks great and it sounds great by the way. Dude, did you revamp your lighting? Did you get a, what's going on? This thing looks incredible. Uh, no, but I was actually did you just get gonna, a black backdrop. No, it's the same. Um, I might have actually used a real camera. I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. Something's going on. I, I mean, think I'm just. I mean, I'm just like anything else. I'm practicing how to actually work with Final Cut to get it to to look real. Yeah, your color correction's great. I mean, the one thing that we all completely lucked out on as drummers, as long as you have coded heads is we have a great white balance point on our drum set. Yeah, true. So yeah. Just click the little white balance eye droplet on your, on your coated head and then and some I mean most of the times it'll work, but your your drum set, your cymbals, your skin tone, I shouldn't be judging all this stuff, but I can't <laughs> not. It all looks really good. Um, and then did you purposely, I mean, you have a little RGB over to your left. 
There's red, green, and blue. Like that is the most perfect color checker. What is all that That's stuff? That's hilarious. The red is a tape measure. Okay. The green is my uh, bum chum seat uh, motor. It's the okay. engine, and the blue is I think it's a cable tie. <laughs> but I mean, they are literally the RGB from from learning how to do your color correction. That is incredible. Well done, buddy. That's hilarious. Well it's done. funny. I was going to actually ask you how do you deal with lighting for multiple cameras because I like this looks good straight on, maybe off to okay. the left slightly. Anywhere else, it's just a blown out mess. Yes. So one thing is lens hoods come into play because they're going to block. So what happens is once your camera comes around, then that light starts going straight into the lens, which makes everything look cloudy and it Mm -hmm. just looks silly. And so uh, it's tough. That's why overhead lighting is so great, getting your lights up nice and high. And then uh, it, it takes a while for sure. And you just have to everything you did with these microphones you have to do that with lighting, like move it around, move it around. And then who's the focus? Are you the focus? I am when I'm teaching or is the kit the focus? Then you can kind of not worry about how the light is affecting your face. But yeah, just do this. This looks good. (laughs) But I can't get the whole kit in that angle. I know. (laughs) It's a pain in the butt. My room's too small. (laughs) Uh, You just need a a wider lens. What's, What's your lens? Do you know? I have this the regular kit lens. I haven't bought an actual <laughs> wide angle. <laughs> so much. I'm going to send you a lens for Christmas. Everybody, check out Mike Dawson's videos uh, early January. They are going to be shockingly awesome after he gets his Christmas present from me. All right, everybody. So those are the Aston Origin mics. Uh, you can check this out. Where can they find this video session? Uh, it, there are, the Aston demos are all up on Modern Drummer if you look for the Aston microphone review, which I think is maybe coming out in the next issue. But the the links for them are in the show notes as well. They're on my awesome. YouTube channel as well because it was a dual-purpose kind of project. Um, okay, listener question time, right? Let's do it. All right, let's see what I got here. First one is, this is a good one. This is from Jay Cookson, and he sent this twice, so he really wants us to answer it. I am truly the worst halftime shuffle player on the planet. I've watched <laughs> I've watched every video available through the wonders of modern technology and dedicated some serious practice time to the endeavor of trying to be able to play this grooviest of grooves. Alas, after listening to a recorded to me playing along to Rosanna, I confirm that I am still terrible. Help me please. I am looking for a new approach as I think that I have attempted all the good stuff out there. Any ideas? And so, first of all, we've all felt like that with that same groove. But it is really hard to diagnose it without seeing you play. Um, and really, because it's it's tough to know what is the problem. Is it your shuffle? Like, get rid of the ghost notes. Get rid of the extra kicks. Can you play a halftime shuffle with no ghost notes and just two and four on the snare and kick on one and three? And can you make that feel good? If so, I would introduce one ghost note. The last one right before beat one. Uh, almost, and, you know... I think people get Rosanna wrong a lot because in the first couple four bars that he plays it, he's not ghosting through the whole thing. Yeah, he builds it like gradually. One or two ghost notes, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I would just slowly build that up. The other thing, too, is I seem, and I can only judge you based off of what I see in other drummers without seeing you play, but a lot of people have this groove set in their mind, and it comes set with a tempo, and they refuse to practice it slower. And I'm like, right. I don't understand. You keep, you physically can't do this. Just slow the hell down. And they're like, no, 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 I got it. I'm like, but you don't. So just what? What is the deal? Drop down to 40 <laughs> BPM and enjoy the heck out of it, man. Um, but uh, yeah, so you are more than welcome to send me a video. I will happily watch you play and give you any diagnostic after that. What about you, Bo? I would say thinking of it as the halftime shuffle is probably the first mistake. It's it's okay. a, it's a shuffle. So right. You have to work shuffle. on your shuffle, like regular shuffle. It's just a shuffle that instead of having the snare drum on two and four, it's on three. Right. So if you think, how many years did Jeff Ricaro play shuffle, like traditional shuffles and blues grooves? How many years did Bernard Purdy play 12-8 and regular shuffles? And John Bonham was in a blues band before Led Zeppelin, so you know he played a ton of 12-8 and regular shuffles. So... I think if you're not versed in the shuffle feel, the halftime shuffle is 
always going to be a foreign object. So I would say dig back into just some basic blues drumming before you try to tackle, which I think is probably the, you know, the high art of shuffle would be the Jeff Beccaro shuffle. Like just, just groove on a nice regular blues double shuffle for a while. There you go. Um, I can't find any other questions because my printer didn't work. Let's see. That's okay. I I I've got them. eight campers standing outside of a door waiting for their photo shoot today. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, let's. We're doing a morning photo shoot today, so let's leave it at there. Uh, I could use some more questions, so please email them over mdinfo at moderndrummer dot com. Um, I know we have more, but my printer ran out of ink, so I've got a bunch of blank pages staring at me. So we haven't gotten to your question. We will soon. Hopefully next week when everything is back in work in order. Oh, um, pick that of the week time for picks of the week. Yeah, man. So my pick of the week is going to be something we discussed earlier in the podcast. I'll just give you the details on it now. So it's the Oralex Hovermat. That's the name of it. Uh, the Oralex Hovermat. It's a six by four drum isolation rug. Like I said, it's not cheap. This thing is three hundred thirty nine dollars, uh, but it does its job really well. Um, it decouples your kit from hollow floors. Everything that Mike told me it would do. Um, provides a tighter, more focused sound. Yes, I'm reading this off of Sweetwater.com. <laughs> it's also perfect for on stage or in the studio. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so it's a it's made from Oralox's sheet block sound barrier material, and then there's drum rug material on top of that. So, uh, if you have kind of like I mentioned, my kit is sliding away from me a little bit. My bass drum is because it just has old school spurs. When I attached a bass drum pedal that had a Velcro bottom. It worked perfect on this drum rug. Uh, and even though we're saying that it's this sound deadening thing, it's like I said, it's shockingly thin. It, yeah, it's no thicker than any rug you've ever seen. I promise you that. Cause when I, when the box got here and I tried to lift the damn thing, <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh man, this is going to be some squishy foamy thing where I'm going to be surfing all over the drum kit. Not the case at all. It's really thin. Uh, so yeah, the Oralex hover mat six by four portable drum isolation rug. Check it out. I would offer one warning with that. If you're already in a basement with your drum set, it's not going to do anything. Like it's completely agree. You have to have a floor that's actually resonating. So you have to be above ground or a wood floor or a platform or something. So you're going to waste your money if you're in a basement because your floor is already as dead as it'll ever be in your in a basement. All right, my pick of the week is Pedrito Martinez Music on Instagram. If you're not following Pedrito Martinez's page. Uh, I say do it immediately and scroll to the clips where he's playing duo with a pianist. So Pedrito is a pretty sure he's Cuban uh, percussionist, singer, band leader. He has a duo project with this pianist and it's some of the most insanely like foreign sounding Afro-Cuban interpretations to me because it's the real stuff. Like there's one clip if you just scroll down, it's probably a couple of weeks back, but it's the first one where it's him sitting in front of the pianist, and he has left, he has a cowbell on his left foot. He's playing clave that doesn't doesn't shake at all with his left foot, and the rhythms he's playing on top of it have absolutely, I cannot figure out how they fit at all. Staring at it right now, I can't <laughs> wait. I, I was like tempted to press it, but I don't want to mess it up with sound. But I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. is again like yeah we can try to learn how to play these these folkloric styles but that he's speaking a different language man that's a whole different language and it's beautiful it's magic i hope he enjoys the instagram bump he's about to get (laughs) dig it that's it we're out of here i think i don't know who our outro beat is who's our outro This professional podcast has been brought to you by Modern Drummer Magazine. This is Dario. He sent in another beat, so Dario's going to send us out this week.
Everything is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.